Welcome to Divided We Stand for the week of July. We're getting there. Long button. <laughs> Hello. Not to start you wanted. Welcome to Divided We Stand. I'm Joe McGuire along with Duncan McPherson and Michael Gaudiosi. Uh, Victoria Lang will be joining us in just a little bit. Apparently, she didn't get the memo. Uh, big week, a lot of stuff going on, uh, quite a few trials and, and other things that we're really going to want to hit on. But first and foremost, I always say this, I like to give the man kudos when he does well. Uh, Donald Trump went to Walter Reed, Air, uh, Walter Reed Medical Center to visit soldiers and medical personnel there. And he wore a mask. And I got to say, fellas, he looked pretty dang good in it. Yeah. <laughs> I know he was very concerned about not looking presidential if he wore a mask. That, my friends, that is very presidential. He's got the eye of the tiger there. Definitely. Sort of yeah, definitely. He'd been criticized plenty of times for not wearing one. Uh, again, I think that thing looks pretty amazing. And the reason I give kudos is, look, I, I think the idea that wearing a mask should be a bipartisan issue is downright silly. Also, I'm going to offer you the alternative to presidential mask wearing. <laughs> it's weasel biden yeah dude just wear, just wear the mask donald just just wear the mask um that's the way i wanted to start the show because i feel like that's important i i'm always quick to, to criticize the president you guys uh certainly call me out for doing that and i i thought you know what give the guy some kudos um it, it seems like we're at a point now where uh the white house is starting to take covid a little more serious this thing is is definitely becoming an issue we've got 3.29 million cases of covid in the u.s that's resulted in 137,000 deaths now here in connecticut we've gotten a lot of kudos for the job that we've done the state entomologist matt carter explained that connecticut's in a very fortunate place uh and and Basically, we're at the point where deaths have vanished. We've gone, what, three or four days in a row with no deaths in the state. And our transmission rate is amongst the lowest in the country. But what you're seeing in other states is an increase. And obviously, a lot of this has to do with just more testing. More testing means you're going to find more cases. But we're also seeing a lot more cases where there's people in their 30s and 40s dying. And I'm very concerned. Mike, I think you don't have, your kids are out of school. Is that right? Yeah, they're both out of, both out of school. Um, they, uh, my youngest just graduated high school uh, a couple weeks ago. So I got one going in the second grade, one who's starting kindergarten and a senior in high school, and one in college. And I got to tell you, I mean, I didn't sit through this quarantine to just send my kids into the fire to bring that thing back to me. Right. I mean, I've been staying home for months to do my part. I don't like that. I, I don't think school's ready to open in the fall. I don't think schools will be prepared. A lot of the teachers I've spoken to seem very concerned with how you could possibly maintain social distancing. You're talking about asking little kids to wear masks. Right. I don't know. I, I it just, this doesn't, this isn't going well. And then there was the guy in Costco the other day who lost his mind because I mean, people got to cut the crap with this stuff. I, I, it doesn't do anybody any good. It's just making this last longer, and I think both right and left can agree, this all sucks. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was the thing I was thinking about when uh, they decided to open schools, too. It's like, you have young kids, kindergarten age and things like that. You know how hard it is to contain these kids sometimes? You know, they like to, they like to do whatever they want to do. Kids are kids, you know? Yeah. And you want to have them wear a mask for, what, eight hours a day or however long the, the class is and try to keep them all social distance. That's going to be hard to do. And I'm sure a lot of parents that homeschooled their kids during this pandemic, you know, found it very difficult because uh, these kids are young. They don't understand. They don't... Uh, get what's going on they just think everything's fun and they just want to play and things like that so that's one of the things i found that uh, i was thinking about like when they wanted to open schools like well gee how they're going to work this out that's going to be tough with the little kids especially well it's funny too you know they talked a lot about texas and uh florida initially uh we're getting a lot of kudos for the job that they were doing and those states are now in in the biggest trouble you see uh July 11th, 62,653 new cases. That is a staggering number. Uh, people are having COVID parties. You know, I think the, 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 the foolishness around this thing needs to stop. You know, again, we've talked a lot, Duncan, about the individual liberty idea. I see a lot of stores are posting uh, on their window. You have a right not to wear a mask. You can't come into my restaurant or my bar or my store. Um, again, the wearing of the mask isn't isn't meant to prevent everyone from getting it. It's meant for people who don't know that they've got it to transmit it to people who don't. Yeah, it's just hard for me to rationalize shutting down all of society um, and ruining the economy and killing small businesses and you know destroying people's immune systems from being in one isolated place and not being exposed to. A, contaminants that keep their immune systems working and maintaining their strength um what, what's going to happen if if kids don't go back to school is does that mean that what like how does that play out next year everybody is still in the same grade as they were and everybody's just older now and that's just how it is from now on like it doesn't make any sense you can't prevent people from going to school we can't stop society this is the one free country in the world there's, you know, our liberties are guaranteed by the Declaration of Independence and by government, by the Constitution. Governments are put in place to secure our liberties, not to keep us safe. So if other countries want to shut down their schools and do everything like that, then that's fine. And people who don't like freedom can go there because that's their choice and their freedom to do so. But you can't shut down society for everybody else because you're scared or because people are scared. It just doesn't work that way. This is blatantly violating the constitution and, and the whole premise of this country but isn't just the education system itself a violation of the constitution anyway so <laughs> yeah. sending them in the first place is even more unconstitutional <laughs> I, mean, I don't know i'm just hard, hard to argue that i'm, I'm that. just saying look i i think you know mike you brought up a lot of good points i think sending in kids when you don't have a vaccine when you have cases surging i just don't see how this thing's not going to blow up even worse you know, again, I understand the government's not meant to uh, keep us safe. I disagree with that somewhat, but at the same time, I think throwing kids into the fire is probably, I mean, they're germ factories already. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're asking for it when you, when you start doing that, you know, and there's been a lot of talk, uh, people with uh, the Trump administration, uh, and this has now been confirmed. They're looking at possibly having a vaccine by November. So, 
that would be great. That would, especially if you can get it there before what is it, November fourth, would probably be the ideal time to get that vaccine out. But you know, I've seen look a lot of the major football uh, Ivy League is canceled. The Big Ten's only going to play in conference games. You know, baseball's seen a whole bunch of uh, uh, positive tests. Now you're starting to see some of the bigger names in that sport getting affected. I feel yeah. like this is like uh, the New Deal with FDR, where interventions occurred that were intended to, you know, help the economy and help things. But in reality, it just dragged out the Great Depression all the way through World War Two. And um, I feel like the same thing is happening here, where all these interventions are being made, but it's just going to draw out the entire process, delay herd immunity, um, push everything back, destroy businesses. And then by the time that herd immunity is acquired or things go back to normal all we'll have for food and restaurants is like mcdonald's and chains and there'll be no mom and pop shops anymore because everybody will be out of business except for these giant corporations who are designed to weather or who have the the capacity and the, the the stores to be able to weather a storm like this in my opinion this is all it's like a giant psyop convincing americans that a multifaceted psyop and economic uh, attack convincing people that they the government has the authority to intervene in this manner and then on top of that consolidating power um, in, in various sectors of the economy to giant corporations who are able to withstand this this artificial economic storm that is being imposed by governors across the country um, it's uh, it's causing more damage than it's doing helping people, in my opinion. It's an opinion, for sure. You know, I don't know that there's much scientific data to back the opinion up. But, I mean, it's the reality of the situation, Duncan. I mean, companies are going out of business and mom and pops are struggling. There's a lot of local restaurants to me that are open. And, you know, we all are trying to do our best to support them here in the community, right? Your, your local businesses, and I'm still hearing from a lot of them. It's nice. Appreciate you guys rallying. Not even close. It, things are looking dire. You know, and you got to figure out how to strike the balance between that. With with distance learning, I mean, you're, you're able to – they did a pretty good job distance learning with the kids. And yeah. I like to think right. over the course of the last five or six months that they've maybe developed a better way to do it. The other thing I'm hearing a lot of is they want to send kids in maybe two days a week. How does that help? Yeah, uh, other mean, than <laughs> other than just keeping kids, you know, keep you know having half the class one day, half the other. But I think going one foot in, one foot out is making it e- would make it even worse. Uh, and, and 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 Rob Benjamin just brought up. I mean, look, yes, teacher safety is important. J- just like with baseball and, and the NBA, there's players yeah, that no. are like all set, have, opting out. What happens people... if teachers don't want to come in and teach? then they quit and that's their right but you can't stop society because people are scared the balance that you're talking about is by is acquired and achieved by allowing people to make their own decisions you know some people will stay home some people will order food delivered to their house with peapot or things like this who are scared to go out in public and other people who haven't bought into the the hype you know the death rate is still super super low um a little little bit of a spike with these cases that are allegedly increasing although they've changed the way they're counting cases in a lot of places and doing more tests um you like you the, the only balance is allowing people choice to make their own decisions and then everybody who doesn't feel safe can stay home and everybody who feels safe or doesn't feel threatened can do what they want to do and we have 
this is our right. We have these freedoms. They're guaranteed by the Constitution. They're unalienable. And, and the governments, the governors don't have the authority to override the Bill of Rights without an executive order. This is nonsense. Like the, the fact that we're even entertaining this discussion is mind-blowing to me. This is supposed to be a free country, and that, that's it. Period. I wish it were that simple. Well, and it and it normally would be. I mean, again, this is such an unprecedented thing. I, you know, and again, Duncan, we've talked about this, and though, the, it is unprecedented. This has happened twice in our history. Like six hundred thousand people, or something like that, and nobody, like no, no authoritarian rule dictating people need to shut down their businesses for long. Not true. Of time Did you know like um, in nineteen seventeen that they actually had anti-maskers? Like that's a real thing. There were actually people who were arguing that it was their right to catch the Spanish flu. Right, and, and the they whole did. economy wasn't locked down, is, is my point. It, it is your right to catch the Spanish flu. That's what I'm saying. It's your right to be racist. It's your right to, to go out and get sick. It's your right to shoot yourself in the head. It's your right to drink Drano. It's your right to do anything that you want as long as you're not infringing on people's rights. And acquiring a virus isn't infringing on anybody's rights. If, if, they, if people that claim that you going out in public putting other people at risk is a violation of their rights, it's just not true. You don't have a right to safety. If you want, if you have the right to stay home to protect yourself and take actions to protect yourself. You don't have the right to dictate to other people around the country what they can and can't do. Yeah, but a lot of that is happening, though, when you look at a lot of these states, especially well, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan's a prime exactly, example of that. It's happening, but it's that's my point, is it's it's the law is so cut and dried. If you look at the Constitution, it's it's like 20 pages long, if that. <laughs> it's super simple. This this tiny little document freed an entire nation of people, and then they've they've built up this whole body of of legislation around it contradicting it that masks the con the fact that the Constitution is still there unaltered the whole time, which if you look at the Constitution, it negates and and like all these other laws that are that come after it, and it's just. Uh, I don't understand. It's, I feel like people don't understand what this country is or what their rights are or what the significance is. I mean, oh, I don't think that's true. I think people understand all of those things. I just think I most think so people, people who, who believe the scientists and the doctors are like, I don't want to get this and die. In right, addition to, you know, I know people, but and that's fine, but can, how long can you stay home? If the government's not supporting you staying home, you then you're screwed. How long can you shut down the economy before the entire mm -hmm. system collapses? You can't. Well, it's been five months, and the economy's still doing all right. I don't Listen, I With don't know what? any billionaires who aren't doing okay. Trillions and trillions of dollars have been printed to sustain the the economy artificially. What the, the the national debt was like twenty one trillion, twenty two trillion when when uh, Trump got in office, and now it's over twenty six trillion. He's he's added more to the national debt as a result of this and other things than any other president before him. The the idea that the economy is being sustained is an illusion. It's money being printed out of thin air that's keeping this inflated. When all of the stresses of the economy, all of the all the economic stresses are pushing it down and just printing money is keeping it artificially inflated. You can't do it forever. You can't hide inside your house forever. Someday people are going to have to wake up and realize that the world is dangerous and that every time you exit your door, you are at risk and you can't take your fear 
and project it onto everyone else and try to control everyone else's behavior because you are scared. That's a violation of everybody's rights. The governors don't have this authority. And um, I want to see massive, massive lawsuits about this. A lot of these states should be bankrupt when this is over. How about you, Mike? You feel the same way? I was just well. I was just thinking about a story I read. Um, I don't know what, what city was it. I don't know if it was in uh, Minneapolis or one of these cities that uh, that wanted to have help from the federal government. Yeah, uh, money from the federal. It was in Minneapolis. Governor, Governor Waltz. Yeah, they wanted help from the federal government, uh, finance, you know, financial help from the federal government because of all the destruction in the city. And the Fed said, requested, "No way." Yeah, they, they told them to go pound sand because you didn't show any leadership here. You know where you know why didn't you stop this in the first place i mean all yeah. these governors around these, these these cities around the country could have stopped all this violence and i'm not talking about the protest i'm not including that you know peaceful protests and everything i'm talking about the looting the rioting this could have been stopped from day one and these mayors and these governors should have brought in the national guard to squash this stuff but they didn't and seattle's a prime example of what happened there look at the lawsuits that are coming out of there because yeah, now now they even have a, re, a recall for the mayor of seattle I mean, now it's like they're turning on their own right now. So yeah, uh, this stuff went on too long, and it, it does have to stop. So yeah, Trump. Yeah, like, it has to. Yeah, there has to be. A, there has to be a limit. You know, where you have to stop. You can't let this go on and on and on. We can't live like this. Yeah, these governors stood down, to, and ordered law enforcement to stand down and to not enforce the law, and allowed these businesses to be trashed, these buildings to be burned right. to the ground, and then they want everybody else to pay for it you chose to allow this to happen it's not like this happened and you tried to prevent it it's not a disaster that was out of your control they allowed this to happen and then they have the audacity to ask for the taxpayers for the, around the country to pay for it right. that's absurd it's totally absurd they <laughs> trump is 100 percent in the right right them, the government made the right choice they told basically to go pound sand and that was the right the right call so yeah That'll make a big so. impression uh, around the election for the people of Minnesota. Well, especially I mean, when it comes to, when it comes to their mayor and their governor, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I would think they would feel completely abandoned by the president and, that, and his administration. That's one way to look at it, or they could look at it as uh, that's what I mean. Like it could be could be all three ways, you know. Sure, right. you could uh, take it on all three: the new mayor, new governor, new president. Maybe that's the way people would feel from that. I can understand <laughs> that. President Look, Biden. People are going to vote based on how these things are handled. And if your governor is Republican or your governor is a Democrat, I mean, if you don't like the job they're doing, you're going to have to vote for the other the other team. So uh, the choices are, are unfortunately limited. But, um, yeah, the, the, look, I, I'm more concerned about the lawsuits, and I do think that there's going to be major lawsuits. And I think as companies okay. continue to struggle and go out of business, I think that you're going to see states, as Duncan said, uh, looking at the same uh, sort of fate. So the problem is that all this damage is irreversible, and once that the mm. once the power has been concentrated into companies that survive this, and the weak competitors have been culled, you know, like these companies, these big corporations have an interest in in continuing the lockdown because it's just consolidating power into their into their their companies, and it's the same thing with all these governments, they have an interest in, in continuing the lockdown because it means consolidating and centralizing power into their hands, giving them the authority to do that. Even if they could just be using the virus as a means to an end to acquire the power that they're trying to achieve by instituting these lockdowns. Once they have that power and the public accepts it, they can use it for whatever they want. And it's, 
it's they're just the virus is irrelevant it's not even a factor the it's the power that's the goal it's the the economic destruction that's the goal and they're just using this to to gain power and to cripple the economy to cripple trump and to cripple the people the business owners and and everything to 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 centralize control that's where you're starting to lose me um i'll I mean, I don't think Ned Lamont is is shutting down Connecticut because he wants Donald Trump to lose an election. I don't I don't really think Ned Lamont cares. Well, ask, I would think Ned Bill Lamont Lamar, would probably vote know? for Donald Trump if, if, I, if I had to guess. I mean, there's uh, a that, giant group of people who have all been in favor of uh, having the economy collapse because that's the only way that they can. Are you talking about Bill Maher? Because he was yeah. joking. No, he was not. He was. No, 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 no. He was, and I've watched subsequent interviews where where he talked about that. That was a joke. Nobody wants the economy to collapse. He would be. He would lose all of his money too. Why would he want the economy to collapse? That makes zero sense. No, because he said it was the only way to get Trump out. He spoke from the heart. He got backlash. Oh, I don't think he was speaking from the heart. I think what he was referring to was the fact that you guys hang your hat on the economy all the time, and if the economy tanked. Then where would you? What would you be left to argue? I think was the grander point he was actually making, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we'll certainly we could certainly talk about Bill Maher uh, on another episode and, and sort of get into that. But uh, as you guys know, to, <laughs> we what's that? I prefer not to honestly. I can't. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so uh, President Trump did commune the sentence of Roger Stone uh, just a couple days before Stone was set to go to jail. Um, that whole sham trial that happened with Roger Stone, you know, look, at the end of the day, facts are facts. The sentence is what it is. You know, the jury four woman, Doug, what's her name? I can't remember, but she, her husband was like a, an Obama cabinet official or something. And she was posting all kinds of tweets, you know, disparaging Roger Stone and Trump. And it wasn't the only person on the jury who was biased either. If, if I remember correctly, um, it was, you know, there were, other cases of similar type things as well. And uh, it's just, uh, it's the whole thing is just a, a, a giant joke. And what, what, so tr- Roger Stone lied about Russian collusion that never even happened. Well, and- right. So, dude, this is the whole thing, man. This is what's absolutely killing me because look, Robert Mueller pushed back against the president. Real quick, I'll give you the, the White House issued a statement claiming that Stone is, quote, uh, a victim of the Russian hoax that the left and its allies in the media perpetuated for years in an attempt to undermine the Trump presidency, uh, claiming that prosecutors made, quote, uh, process-based charges in lieu of finding evidence of collusion with Russia. Right. Um, w- which is true, because, again, Robert Mueller was very clear, though, that that Roger Stone did lie. Roger Stone told fibs, and that's why Roger Stone got punished. Who he was that? still very uh, Bob Mueller just yesterday yeah. was very clear, though, the case at all. Still very clear that there was no collusion. So, again, this idea, like, so here's the thing. We don't understand what Roger Stone was lying for. If Roger Stone didn't have, but he told them that he did. No, no, no. Mueller said that. But, again, it's, it's it's misconstruing what actually happened. They're claiming that Roger Stone was giving the Trump administration information about WikiLeaks dumps that were about to occur. Roger Stone denies that because, in reality, the actual case is that what he was transmitting to the Trump administration was speculation. The whole internet was a buzz. There was rumors that, that, that WikiLeaks was going to be dropping documents. He was trying to contact Julian Assange. He's released his messages from Twitter as DMs proving that he was trying to contact uh, 
Assange. He was unable to do so. Um, he, he Speculation from other people was indicating that there were going to be documents released. He was in communication with the Trump administration about that. Mueller is accusing him of sharing inside information from WikiLeaks, giving Trump administration the heads up that this was going to happen. But that's not the case. He was speculating. He was sharing. So the day before John Podesta, uh, there was a, a tweet from Roger Stone saying that John Podesta would have his day in the barrel, and then the leaked emails came out the next day. Tons of people were talking about stuff like that. Yeah, but it just seemed like Roger I mean, really knew something there. Yeah, but I mean, I mean I I'm, I'm just saying that looks suspicious. Do you understand right, why so, why it looks suspicious? Sure. Does I mean does it look suspicious that I said Jeffrey Epstein's going to be killed in prison, and then the next day he died in prison? Some things are just obvious. You know what I mean? Like. If Podesta's crooked and dirty, and look at his, his the emails and laptop stuff. Like obviously he was going to have his day. Anybody could have said that. My dad came in, you know, years ago. Was what we were, I was watching um, the you know that show with Steve Steve Irwin from Australia, the environmentalist. Um, and my dad comes into the room and he's like, one of these days he's going to get killed by one of these animals. And then the next day, news broke that he was stabbed through the heart by a, a stingray. And it's like. <laughs> Some things are just obvious, and unless you have proof that he had information that led him to make that tweet, then it's just speculation and coincidence, and there's there's nothing behind that. So um, he lied about the fact that he didn't, or he claimed he didn't talk to anybody in the Trump administration about it. That's apparently the lie that Bob Mueller says that they got right. him on. The, the, that it's again it's it's confusing. again it's weak duncan i'll no, it's, admit it's a, no, it's, it's a weak it's a it's weak, weak it's weak a process link. crime it's a process crime it's weak but but it's also being misconstrued because mueller's saying he was talking to the trump administration with inside information and that's what roger stone denies that he was sharing inside information from wikileaks yeah he was talking to the trump administration and sharing speculation from around the internet but he was not sharing information from wikileaks itself so it's not a lie he was talking to Trump administration. He wasn't giving them information about things that were going to happen from WikiLeaks because he hadn't been in contact with WikiLeaks. So they're twisting his talking to, to the Trump administration, trying to claim that he had inf inside information, which there's no evidence that he had, which would make it a lie. But it's not a lie because he didn't have that information. So Mueller says the FBI has evidence the Russians had signaled to the Trump campaign that they could assist the campaign uh, in releasing damaging information about Democrats. And 17 Great. intelligence agencies said that Trump colluded with Russia. Who cares? <laughs> like, unless we that's not no, evidence, no, 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 no. Let's be clear here. Nobody, 17 agencies didn't say there was collusion. 17 agencies said that the Russians were very involved and interfered in the election. That, and again, no one is. Listen, no, no federal agency has ever said there was collusion, but it was pretty clear that they were trying to swing things. Trump right. So so now we're talking about the credibility of the FBI allegedly having this information. Well, what did they what happened with the IG report? Was it 27 or 17 documented cases of the FBI lying to the FISA court? You can't trust. Sure. A hundred two unreported contacts. I mean, again, there's a lot of there's <laughs> a lot of things. Russia linked contacts. That there's means a lot of nothing. things like a lot of things. I could talk be... to my friend Ludmila. could. Russia linked. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Russia linked. Does, who's ever been to Russia? Who's ever known anybody from Russia? They're all Russia linked. I guarantee you I'm Russia linked somehow. You know, like... Here is uh, this is from Robert Mueller. 
Quote, uh, he says, we also identified numerous links between the Russian government and Trump campaign personnel, Stone among them. We did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired with the Russian government in its activities. The investigation did, however, establish that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and work to secure that outcome. It also established that the campaign expected it would benefit electronically from information stolen and released through Russian efforts. Again, and again, there's so much to debunk from there as well. The the stolen information, allegedly hacked information. The CEO of CrowdStrike said straight up in recently declassified testimony that there is no proof that the Russians extracted any information from the DNC. There's that and uh, something else that you just said I was going to mention as well, but I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> no, you could you could just debunk it later. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Um, look, I, I also I, I read an article in the New York Post the other day that talked about uh, the fact that, you know, it, it looks like Obama d- might have uh, kind of gone after Trump. He might have sicked the dogs on him. Uh, there seems to be a lot I'm indicating right that. This. I don't know what Joe Biden's involvement, if any, that there might have been. I'm sure that will come out over the next couple of months. But At a minimum, we know he suggested pursuing Flynn using the Logan Act. And at a minimum, we know Obama told Comey to put the right people on the Flynn case. In other words, put people that are going to do what needs to be done to have him prosecuted. And what judge did it end up with? Obviously, he's the right person, Sullivan, who's continuing this this charade beyond any... (laughs) Oh, sure. Look, I don't care who you are and how you feel about Roger Stone. If you follow the actions of Judge Sullivan in the Michael Flynn case, he's taking it to uh, that guy's taking it to a whole other level. I mean, these guys are uh, (laughs) crooks, you know, well, well, again, right. I mean, I, I. I want to see people who are who who do bad be punished. But, you know, we talk about due process here a lot and and everyone is entitled to due process. And, you know, to see a judge uh, again, like in the Flynn case where this guy's recommending a like a special uh, prosecutor to look at like what are you're you're the judge. Yeah, you're supposed to be the neutral party. You're not the, the prosecutor. What are profit. you doing? Like, I've never seen anything like that. So, in you know, again, look, end of the day, Roger Stone told the fib, and Roger Stone alleged. is a is a convicted felon, and Roger Stone won't have to go to jail. I oh, feel here's like this, the other thing this is a win-win. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a win-win for everybody. So um, in the, the article that you mentioned uh, in in a, one of the our, one of our correspondents earlier talked about how um, yeah he's, he's Mueller I think he said is yeah he's still a felon, and he hasn't been pardoned. But there's more to that as well because um, Trump called Roger Stone on the phone and told him hey I'm gonna commute your sentence or pardon you whatever you want. Roger Stone's been sub- subsequently interviewed, and has said that Trump told him like you that he had the pardon if he wanted it but roger stone specifically chose not to be pardoned because he wants the opportunity in that if he's pardoned he won't have the opportunity to prove his innocence in court with an appeal so he chose to to have his sentence commuted and not to be pardoned because he wants the truth to come out about this and he wants the the chance to clear his name which uh, you got to respect i mean you know, you could have taken the easy way out and uh, had it drop forever. But he's his uh, his persistence on this indicates to me that uh, he's, he's, you know, being truthful and serious. You know, Duncan, I, I'm, I'm well aware of him and, and what he said in that regards. And 
you know, that either speaks to a man who is 100% innocent or, 100% or one who knows he's got a good lawyer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's one or the other. Um, I thought this this was interesting. Uh, obviously, you guys are not big Mitt Romney fans, <laughs> no, uh, but Mitt, Mitt did take it up a notch. <laughs> oh, <my>. Unprecedented <laughs> historic corruption. An American oh, president geez. commutes the sentence of a person convicted by a jury of lying to shield. <sighs> Money, said the I guy who it. wrote Obamacare and blatantly violates the Constitution talking about historic corruption. Give me a break. Did you guys Mitt see um, earlier this week, uh, uh, Senator Ben Sass basically like ripped into all of his colleagues and he was like, I'm so tired of these hearings. He's like, these are like, it's like everybody's just <laughs> in here for a soundbite. Like, that's all we do. We sit around for hours on end so people can get soundbites. That's yeah, it. I have- I haven't heard that, but that's funny. Who is this oh, con- uh, senator? It was ben? yeah, it was Ben Sass, uh, and and I I want to say some of the some of the leadership on both sides, and and people were like, you know, people were snapping Sass. back at him. But I thought that was an interesting thing for someone to say. I like Ben Sass because uh, and because he, he calls out Trump, but he calls out everybody and everything, and he seems to be one of the few guys that's like, we don't do anything here in D.C. It's a giant waste of time and money. <laughs> yeah. He's not calling like you are, Duncan, for the abolition of like the the complete government, Most but <laughs> he's he's giving you reason to think that like, maybe that wouldn't be the worst idea. You know, yeah. again, at the end of the day, it's stunning that that these five hundred representatives we have, or yeah, about six hundred between the Senate, and the, that these people can't hammer anything together, can't That's get like- on the same page on anything at all. That's basically like the stated intent of Congress, though, is to to have this debate and have it move slowly, because the the purpose of this of the the, you know, the founders purpose when it came to to this was to prevent massive changes from happening quickly and irreversibly. So they wanted the process to be slow. They wanted the process to be deliberate. They wanted it to be extremely difficult for anything to be made to happen by Congress. And just to clarify, I don't I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm for the abolishment for most of the system, but I but I am for a return to constitutional government. Fair enough. All right. I don't want to uh, before we move on, I want to just briefly make a a quick statement about my opinion about Roger Stone because um he had he before he the gag order by Amy Berman Jackson Jokeson, uh he was co hosting a show called The War Room at daily where uh they would talk about the news and everything like that. So I've, I've collectively listened to hundreds of hours of Roger Stone analyzing politics and philosophy and constitutionality and liberty. And I just want to say that um, I, I like Roger Stone. I believe that aside from being like a political trickster and uh, operative, that he's an honorable person and that he's a true ally of liberty. Um, so I, I just want uh, people to know that that uh, I believe he's, you know, on the up and up nowadays. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, uh, Rob Benjamin asks, why do conservatives always go back to Obama? Well, in this case, I brought up Obama. I'm certainly not a conservative. And uh, this is one of those rare cases where the more information I'm seeing, the more it does look like uh, Obama was involved a little bit more than I've always believed that he was. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I don't understand why we can be accused of going back to Obama when Obama is a central fixture of the whole Spygate plot and the attempt to oust Trump. But also, Obama, you know, you could go back to him all day because everything that he's done, you know, is still part of the public record. And he's a perfect example of how not to be a president. So, yeah, we'll keep going back to him all the time. And why not? I think normally it's it's a little much, but I think it certainly applies in this case. I think you can't talk about this investigation or this whole entire situation with Russia and, and their involvement. Right. Look, we know we know for the previous four or five years there was a lot of problems with with Russia. Uh, you'll you'll recall Obama being caught on a hot hot mic talking to. Um, I'm getting more done after the election. How am I not going to remember his name? No, uh, the other guy. What was the foreign minister's name? Yeah, I forgot what it was too, but. Uh... I have more flexibility after the election. Right. Like, Which, again, well, I mean, uh, you know, it did, yeah, that yeah, didn't yeah. sound great. That didn't sound great. And it wasn't really anything bad. But you, you don't like to hear that kind of stuff from your president. We know Obama was having trouble dealing with Russia. I told you guys I voted for Mitt Romney because I really thought Russia was a problem. Little did I know they'd be a bigger problem four years later. But uh, mm -hmm. that the uh, 2012 <laughs> election, they were running war games in Cuba. About two weeks before the election, yeah. <laughs> that didn't feel right. And, uh, Russia, I, I've had a big problem with Russia all this time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, you know, if you're going to be um, talking about any president, one of the natural things to do is compare and contrast them to previous presidents. So the idea that bringing up Obama is like anathema and you shouldn't do it is just patently ridiculous. But you're also always going to compare to the previous guy. I mean, you know, you don't hear people talking about Bush much anymore or about the other Bush or Clinton. I mean, you don't really hear much about those unless you're talking about Jeffrey Epstein. And then <laughs> you'll definitely uh, you'll definitely bring up some of those names again. Look, I think Obama was a good president. I think Obama did a good job. I think Obama dealt with a lot of uh, a real obstructionist Republican Congress. Um, and I think that's the reason why he used so many executive orders and it opened the floodgates for Trump. And this is why when you set precedent and then I, I don't blame Obama for doing it, he had to govern. But when you do that, the next guy takes over. And this is the same reason why I said the nuclear option on Supreme Court justices, this will bite the Republicans in the butt, I promise you, in the future. You're going to regret that that ever happened. And once you've done it, you can't undo it. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Now, uh, we talked a lot about this last week. We'll talk about it again because uh, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell uh, is asking for bail. She completely denied anything uh, about Jeffrey Epstein, said she hadn't talked to Jeffrey in at least a decade, which not that that would make any difference as most of these crimes occurred while they were together. Uh, I thought it was of note, though. She said very clearly, quote, I am not Epstein. And I, and I think that's a really interesting quote because, you know, there's all this talk about whether whether she's going to, you know, spill the beans on. You know, maybe somebody like oh, Prince Andrew, uh, for instance. Uh, but I've read a lot of articles that she values that socialite life so much that she would never betray Andrew. Obviously, uh, you know, the idea that the British monarch several months ago sort of cut him out but also denied all allegations, it's almost like they knew this was coming. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, listen, I'm going to I want to pop up two more images on the screen here. And before anybody before anybody reacts. Right. Bam. There's one. You don't like to see that. But also, boof. What is going on there at Chelsea's wedding? Uh, look, these these are connected people. Um, and I'm not alleging anything uh, about Donald Trump or Bill Clinton, but I do know Bill Clinton went there a lot uh, and has for some reason denied going, which is I think he's going to have to redefine what going means <laughs> like he did with is in no 98 Monica Lewinsky. What is is you guys remember the is is <clears throat> depends by what you mean by. Did you have sex with her? <laughs> Just because we got a picture, uh, I, that doesn't implicate anybody, whether whether it is Clinton or uh, Trump. Yeah. I mean, if now it seemed funny because a week ago she's uh, we talked about this and she was like ready to name names. You know, I, I want to spill the oh, here, I, and then all of a sudden it seems like she's backing off on that, kind of clamming up. And I didn't know if anyone got to her yet, or may have uh, threatened her or something. But she can really do a lot of damage to a lot of high-profile, powerful people with what she knows. So yeah, I kind of find interesting now she wants bail all of a sudden. So wasn't there an article the other day that said she had videos of prominent US politicians yeah. having sex with minors. She um, claimed I wanted that, to yeah. mention this. My sister actually showed me this uh, yesterday. There was um, a young girl who went missing named Madeline McCann, apparently a number of years back in Portugal. Yeah, yes. yeah, in Portugal. And I know uh, the story. Well, the sketch of the alleged abductor hmm interesting and i'm not saying that there's any connection here at all but i just thought that it was you know she's kind of a unique looking person and that <laughs> sketch doesn't look good. like I, I it's hard to me for me to imagine that she would be doing any of like the actual abduction dirty work herself like yeah she's talking to people and and trying to um you know uh recruit them to be part of this operation and everything but is she really getting her hands dirty like that? I mean, I think she'd, she'd have a little bit more sense than that. Duncan, you know? look at my face. My mind is blown. <laughs> uh, that was, I, I've been following that the was... Madeline McCann story since it happened, uh, and, it, and it's it's plagued my dreams. It's it's like one of the most frightening Horrible. things you've ever seen in your life. One little girl abducted in a room full of other children while their parents were 50 meters away. I'm using European terms because I don't know how far they were, and I want to confuse you with the metric system. Uh, but they were pretty close, basically. Uh, yeah, like, like, like going that's, back and forth to check on the kids. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, imagine coming home and you're like, oh, oh boy. I mean, Mike, have you ever lost one of your kids for like a minute or two? I mean, oh, literally yeah. thought you lost them. That like, oh. and anyone yeah. who's got kids that's had that. Yeah, I've your been heart around when it happened. Absolutely. And everybody freaked out, and it turned out the kid was just like sleeping in the bed, like covered by the blanket. But there was oh, a yeah. cliff on this like house right on this edge of a lake, and like jagged rocks. And, I like, called the like, cops oh, once. Where's the kid? <laughs> I called the cops once because I thought I lost my kids. Literally had the cops on the line, walked around the corner. There they were. And I was like, never mind, um, which was great. The police were really cool with that. Do, you know? Yeah. But I mean, that feeling of like, like you're that's like the, the worst feeling in the world. So I, I can I can't even imagine. Now, uh, Miss Maxwell uh, pointed out a couple of things. Number one, she says she's not a flight risk. And again, as disgusting as her crimes are, I mean, she's been basically in New Hampshire since Jeffrey Epstein was arrested and 
then killed himself. Is that confirmed now? She hasn't been like around and coming back. She's actually just been lurking. Just wow. lurking there. Well, funny story. I mentioned this to my wife the other day. The uh, uh, this happened maybe about ten, fifteen years ago. But the uh, um, the head of the mafia in Sicily was on the run for thirty-seven years, and they arrested him at his house, <laughs> at his compound where he'd been the entire time. That's the uh, most gangster thing. I always say, if you gotta hide, hide in plain sight. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. That's what the old uh, ninja tactic. They would use uh, garden implements as weapons, and like, uh, like nowadays, a ninja would like walk into a building with like a paint can and like, you know, like posing as somebody who you'd expect to see there and wouldn't look twice at. That's the concept of being a ninja, basically. I love <laughs> that. Insight, yeah. Like walk past a guy painting the wall, and next thing you know, there's a Chinese star on your neck. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so she hasn't seen him in a year. A te- in, in a decade, she's been here the whole time and hasn't been a flight risk. Was it mentioned in the 2019 indictment of Jeffrey Epstein? So they've been disconnected for a decade. I was unaware of that. That's what she claims. I mean, again, which is... Where he was imprisoned. Yeah. And, and he was no longer, like, a viable asset for the CIA because he was already... His cover was blown. Is that... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's basically, as his handler, she's like, listen, you got caught. The operation's no longer viable. Sorry, I can't be your handler anymore. Yeah, pretty much. You know, but here's the thing, guys. You know, everything I'm hearing out of her mouth sounds like somebody, again, who I think is looking to fight and win a case. I mean, this woman's got an exorbitant amount of money. She offered uh, a $5 million bond, the surrender of her passports, stringent travel restrictions, home detection with electronic monitoring, and she'll pay for it all. But here's the, question. the best part. If the yeah. president offered her a pardon, would she take it? Would <laughs> you take that or clemency? I bet I you know. she'd take that pardon and wouldn't <laughs> want to take the chance of going to court to prove her innocence, unlike yes. Roger Stone, who actually I agree with you there, Duncan. I would imagine what would happen to the left and the media if Trump did pardon Maxwell. <laughs> that would be absurd. I, 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 well, I, see, I, then I, suddenly that would make this picture more significant, his, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, his, exactly. I don't think he wants to. I don't think he's, he's not going to do it, but I'm just no, saying, imagine, can't. imagine if he did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Duncan, I'm going to pop that up one more time. There, for she, the, uh, she, there she is in the, the red circle. Just oh, yeah. so just lurking. Just so everybody just sees lurking. it. I'm trying to be fair to both sides. You're all disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's what <laughs> I've come up with. Either or. <laughs> or both. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, look, I, I hope I hope there's a trial with her, and I hope if there, well, I mean, I know there are. I hope that names come out. I, you know, it looks like this was a pretty large operation. It's a pretty disgusting one. I think we're all on the same page that when it comes to kids, not yeah. good. No, and whoever's Absolutely guilty, not. I want justice. If, like, no matter who it is, if, if it's Trump, he should go down. Although, absolutely, it's not. But I, I want justice for ev- like for all the victims. I want. I want people in jail or worse for this. Can I say I appreciate you saying that? Because well, I felt like last true. week you were a little, you were more, I don't think he's he's involved, but oh, I, I appreciate that. I don't that. at all. But if he I'm is, sure he's, you know, be, same people, thing with anybody. It could be. Yeah, listen, hopefully he's anybody. not. But I'm with you. I mean, if, if, if they've got evidence, you were there and you were doing what, bye. I don't care who you are. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Interestingly, you know, we, we get reports of 
Ghislaine or Ghislaine, whichever is not the way to pronounce her name is the way I'm going to pronounce it. Um, just out of disrespect, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, right. Screw her. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she's talking about videos of people having sex with children and all this stuff. And notice recently since Epstein was arrested and since like, uh, the big deal about pedophilia has become a thing during the Trump administration, we hear all these talk about worrying about deep fakes and videos that make people look like they're saying and doing things that they aren't. Could it be that they're, you know, planting the seed in people's minds that when the video footage gets released of politicians and corporate executives doing illegal things with little kids that they can claim, oh, this never happened. It's a deep fake. And the public has been conditioned to already accept that as reality because we've been constantly warned about deep fakes for the past year and a half. It's a good question. It could be something to that for sure. Again, I mean, I've seen a photo of Bill Clinton disembarking a plane at Jeffrey Epstein's Island and another one, which, again, is purported to be in a hot tub with several other pretty big-time people. So, yeah. Well, if you want to talk about hot tubs, remember the WikiLeaks documents that were released showing emails between John Podesta and Obama talking about shipping, was it like 76 or 80-something thousand dollars worth of hot dogs and pizza, I think, to, uh, to some party in Hawaii where there were children in a hot tub and, like— so remember the whole pizza gate thing with Comet Ping Pong Pizza? Yep. There was FBI documents released showing code words with pizza referring to young girls, hot dogs referring to young boys, etc. And um, they basically brushed all that under the rug by diverting, saying that pizza was referring to this pizza, the Comet Ping Pong Pizza. It was, a, it was like a red herring argument that they used to bring all the attention to this pizza place and distract from the WikiLeaks emails showing Obama emailing about hot dogs and pizza and, um, and the actual um, stuff that was going on or potentially going on. Probably never heard about the emails because everybody, once they hear Pizzagate, they think about comic ping pong pizza, which is just a distraction. So what, what, I don't know if you guys have heard what's been going on lately with Wayfair. Have you heard that whole thing? No, you're going to have to send us all this stuff. I don't know any of this. What are you even talking about? This yeah, is crazy town. Wayfair. Really? Crazy stuff. Hashtag Wayfair. I don't know what that, that meant. Though. Okay. So there's this company called Wayfair, which sells things on Amazon. Right. And there have been a, like a whole slew of incidents, instant instances over the past few days where people are finding these cabinets that are on sale for like 9,999, you know, like exorbitant prices. And the cabinet names, when they have like the, the model names of the cabinets, just so happen to have the last names of girls who have gone missing over the past decade, you know, in the names of the cabinets. So there's speculation that people, this company Wayfair is selling these cabinets, which really contain like are placeholders for abducted children that they're selling. But here's the thing, in my opinion, I don't think it's true. I think it's just Comet Ping Pong 2.0 trying to draw people's attention to Wayfair. Because if you're selling kids on the black market, you're not going to put their names on an Amazon bid, you know, an Amazon sale. That's I just don't know not... anything about trafficking kids, but yeah, I don't <laughs> think you'd want to keep records. That's what I mean. Or like shipping if, labels. You don't have to Sally's know anything inside. about trafficking kids. <laughs> yeah, no, that's no a dumb idea, right? <laughs> so, so for me, it seems like all this stuff is coming out with, with Ghislaine Maxwell and pedophilia is becoming a big deal again. So now they're throwing out, instead of comic ping pong pizza, Wayfair with this whole 
hoax scenario with kids being sold on Amazon so that they can debunk that and then make everything else look fake by debunking that. And if that's fake, everything else has to be fake, right? Just like Comet Ping Pong Pizza. So I, I, I say don't don't buy into Wayfair. Don't you don't you know promote the concept because they're going to use it to discredit the movement against pedophilia. Hmm. Essentially, I got to learn more about that. But yeah, yeah I, I could crazy. see uh, it may make sense. Um, all right, I know you guys aren't a big fan of polls. We oh established that in many episode. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is Trump does trail Joe Biden uh, in all the 2020 polls, and worse yet, in all of the swing states uh, that were ne- will, be ne- will be necessary and were necessary to his 2016 uh, win. Now, we've seen, it, it seems a little bit more lately like you've got more Republicans who have just come out against Trump on a variety of issues, whereas for the first three and a half years, at least in my opinion, they always seem to just toe the line. There always right. seem to be a lot of apologies for Trump, and I'm just curious why. I can't help but think maybe some of this is because some of them are facing their own reelections. But then why speak out against Trump? I got an idea. It's speculation, admittedly, but um, I'll take it. A lot of the like never Trump Republican, you know, I've said consistently that left and right, they're both puppets of the globalists. Right. So when it, it's notoriously more difficult to remove an incumbent than it is to, um, you know, stay elected, basically. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of these globalist puppets have probably gone along to get along knowing that, you know, they can, if they go along with Trump, they'll get elected. But now, with the opportunity to actually get rid of Trump on an election year, they can speak out, try to, you know, turn the tide against Trump, potentially get reelected themselves and continue uh, on as puppets. Uh, So they've had to pretend to be pro-Trump for the past couple of years just to get to this chance to now try to get him out, basically. So now this one really got me. Lindsey Graham... Uh, after Trump criticized NASCAR for banning the Confederate flag and then that whole dust up with Bubba Wallace in the news. Um, Lindsay doesn't think Bubba Wallace has anything to be sorry for at all. He doesn't have anything to apologize for. That's understandable. I mean, he didn't see the news, allegedly. He was going on information from other people. Um, so he definitely, I don't think he has anything to apologize about the initial reaction, but then going on to claim that it was all justified afterwards, I could see... Um, you know, that not necessarily being a, uh, an appropriate thing to do that. I mean, I'm not going to push him to apologize, but he effectively helped to perpetuate not something that was intentionally done as a hoax, but something that the reporting of it was hoax-ish, I would say. Right. Um, what do you think, Michael? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of I think of it the same way as well. It's like uh, he only went by uh, his third-party information that he got. That oh, there's a noose in your garage, and uh, turned out it wasn't. So, um, I don't think initially, like you said, he has anything to apologize for. But uh, I just want to address this thing about the uh, GOP split with Trump. I, I don't think the GOP, for the most part, was ever on board with Trump from the get-go. Yeah, because they just had to pretend to be. Sorry. The, rem- just remember, you know, back uh, during the days, and I know Robert doesn't like to go back to Obama, but this is when. Obamacare first was implemented. Now, listen, hear me out. Obamacare was first implemented. Republicans kept saying, well, if we had the majority, we have a better plan. And we get the majority, we'll put it in. And they kept saying that for about eight years, almost eight years during Obama's term. And then when Trump won, they had the majority. And then Paul Ryan is the speaker. Did nothing. And they did squat. They didn't do a damn thing. But they kept claiming while while they weren't in the majority, 
we got a plan and you know we had eight years to implement it or seven years to implement it, whatever uh we will do so i they dragged their heels whenever trump tried to make any kind of change or wanted to overhaul it or do anything with obamacare they didn't do a damn thing so i don't think that the republicans uh, basically the mainstream or the rhinos if you will were ever on board with trump and like yeah said, but i'm not even talking about rhinos look i'm not even talking about i mean so like murkowski Collins, right. Romney, they're all skipping the GOP convention. Grassley is too. He thinks it's a bad idea. He just started wearing a mask and like he seems like he's taking it serious. He's 86 years old. Hmm. Again, I just mentioned Lindsey Graham, who's the, the as close to the president as anybody is. Yeah, uh, and the fact that Lindsey Graham sort of... <laughs> dude, Lindsey Graham like came out against the Confederate flag, which, hmm. like, that's my other shock face for the week. I was like, <laughs> whoa, really? I would have thought Lindsay he'd Graham. be a... Uh, uh, but then John Thune uh, said something that I've been saying, Duncan, for a couple of weeks about the president. He said, quote, the country is looking for healing and calm. And I think the president needs to project that in his tone. He masters that sometimes. That's the tone he needs to strike right now, end quote. Sure. Um, again, you know, where where is before generally when the president says what he said? I mean, like, you don't you never saw really any pushback. And I'm I'm curious if if it's do you guys think it's because he's losing in the polls and they're more concerned about themselves and maybe looking like well I, I, you know because look I think all these Republicans have to figure especially guys like McConnell who's got a tough a tough race he's facing that idea that your your Democratic uh, opponent is going to bang the drum uh, all you do is follow Trump's lead There's- so are some of these people just breaking with Trump strategically? just to be able to make that like, well, no, that time I didn't. I was like, no, that's, uh, I don't know. I'm just curious what you guys think, because it seems like it's happening uh, more and more. Lamar Alexander uh, just came out about uh, disagreeing with the president on on the decision to pull out of the WHO. Um, You know, he acknowledged who's made some mistakes, but says we could probably deal with that after after like there's a vaccine and and 500,000 people aren't dead. So, thoughts. Well, I mean it, it like you said it is an election year. They're up for re-election all these Republicans and they 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 kind of want to distance themselves from Trump because they 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 uh think he's a political liability, I guess. And uh whereas uh, before, you know, a couple of years, I mean, since the midterm election well, maybe they would have said, okay, we agree with Trump on this, that, and the other thing. But then now they, they changed their tune, especially guys like Mitt Romney, who's come out. I mean, Romney's not so much eh, kind of a flip-flopper. I mean, on one hand, he supported Trump on uh, his endorsement for the 2018 re-election. He supported, you know, Trump gave him an endorsement. And Romney was like, oh, thanks. What a great guy and everything. <laughs> but then Romney then uh, flip-flops and he uh, comes out and says Trump's a loser. He's a liar. He's this. Uh, I think it is a matter of them wanting to distance themselves from Trump and say, look, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't toe the line with Donald Trump. I'm not, a, I don't wear a MAGA hat. So reelect me. I mean, I think that's, I think that's some of it. I mean, that's just, you know, part of my thoughts there, I guess. What do you think of, my, uh, what do you think real quick of the Lincoln project? I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Some, some obviously prominent uh, Republicans like Bill Crystal and, uh, uh, Conway, uh, uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband, uh, you know, all part of this, all part of this group uh, that that seems to have, I guess, Duncan's, I'm sure, going to tell me they're all globalists and that's why they want Trump out. But some of the messaging just sounds like they're extremely concerned about just his 
mental well-being. <laughs> Stable genius. That's my comment. I'm just curious, Mike. I'm sure. I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, is is this really just the globalist coming at him, or I don't know. Is he better at his job? I'm not like like Duncan said. I'm not familiar with it. I've heard of it, and I haven't really gone into depth with it. But the fact that Kellyanne Conway's husband's in it tells me a lot too, as well. Yeah, that's all I need to know. That's. (laughs) But I mean, I can look. I I can look more into it and find out. I mean, I've heard of it. Like I said, I didn't bother to really just go dig deeper into it because it, it is. I guess it is another one of those anti-Trump, uh, never Trumpers or anti-Trumpers that are just you know trying to get him out, maybe saying that he doesn't have the mental capacities. But then I'm thinking like, well, if he doesn't, do you think Joe Biden does? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my question. Man. There's a great video going around by Sarah Cooper. If you guys know who she is, she does a killer Trump impression on TikTok. And nice. I, I, no. I'm sure I, you on the guys, spy app. Is that what TikTok is? TikTok, yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, I did not. I didn't mean to unleash another conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, the, the White House <laughs> is talking about banning it. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, of course that's they are. True. I, I know. Yeah. Anything from China can't be good. Yeah. Um, well, apparently, it's like notoriously collecting your data at all times and everything like that. It's pretty crazy. Well, I am glad and proud to say I do not have the TikTok. I do same not here, have that here. here. Um, all right. We talked about this a little bit last week, the Washington Redskins and the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Real quick, can things... I mention one thing before we change oh, yeah, no, topic? Go ahead. Absolutely. Real yes, quick, sorry. I just wanted to say um, in relation to the polls, um, polls notoriously not always accurate. You know, like what's the uh, what's the percentage of time where polls show to be and turn out to be accurate? I don't know exactly what it is, but they're not always accurate. Whereas the primary model which is also being talked about right now, has recently given Donald Trump a 91% chance of victory. In, uh, in 2016, it had him at an 87% chance. And since 1912, when this primary model started being used to predict presidential outcomes, it's only been wrong twice. So whereas there's all different types of way to manipu- ways to manipulate polls and look at, you know, take statistics and twist them to make them look I saw that model, Duncan, way, I did. Yeah, yeah. The primary model has been re- remarkably reliable for over a hundred years of usage in predicting predicting presidential outcomes, and right now it has them at a ninety-one percent um, ch- odds of winning. So I just wanted to throw that out there to balance the idea that the polls are, you know, showing a showing Biden in the lead. Again, I listen. I, I right off the top, I said, and look, I, I want to be very clear about polls. Uh, uh, I, I have a wiffle ball game tonight. Nice. Seven o'clock. Okay. It's awesome. I just told my daughter before the show, I said, there's a 30% chance of rain. She goes, we're good. <laughs> I said, well, percentage wise, better odds. I go, but if it's one of the three, then the three in 10, that's how it works. Yeah, um, again, <laughs> the idea of a poll is that most of the time, again, if when, again, Hillary up, say 75, 25 in a poll. That means that there's still a one in four chance that Donald Trump would win an election. So it's not like it's just because you see a poll where it's like it seems one sided. That doesn't mean that it's ninety nine to one because that would be truly remarkable odds. I've also heard um, some interesting things with uh, with everything that's going on with cancel culture. People are legitimately scared to voice support for Donald Trump. Like, take, for instance, the CEO of Goya, who's now mm-hmm. facing a backlash yep. and um, 
and a boycott against his company. It, it, it applies to people who are not CEOs, who work for companies. Um, I, I mean, I remember telling you when I went to CSB, I was scared that my political opinions would influence the way that people perceived me. So I never said a single thing about politics while I was, work, while I was um, in school at CSB or, you know, working at certain jobs, things like that. Um, so when people call these pollsters, call people's homes and say, who are you supporting for president? The people answering the phone don't know who this person is. Don't doesn't they don't know if, if they answer Trump if they're going to be put on some list that's going to be made public and or could really could result in them losing their jobs or being boycotted or canceled. So, in my opinion, Trump is you know dead on when he's talking about the silent majority because a lot of people are too scared to speak out because of the backlash that we've seen when, I mean, what did the the president of Goya do? Say we're blessed to have a president that helps the economy. And then they're like, what, what state of the, of the country is it where all you have to do is say you support a sitting president who was elected president, a mainstream person, and you were being boycotted by the, the woke mob. So I would, I would say that people are very, very, uh, not likely to be openly admitting to uh, pollsters who they're going to be supporting because of who might find out. That's, that's true. Um, I mean, I didn't know Duncan. Uh, I didn't know your politics till a year or so after I think I knew you before you yeah, even mentioned what those were. And Michael's how outspoken and intense I am about yeah. it. Yeah, right? and Michael's Michael's just always been elusive about his support for Trump. Well, you knew about my political uh, side there when we first did our podcasting class. We remember we were doing the talk shows, and yeah, well, I can't I can't do sports that well. What do you, well? Let's talk about the uh, whatever the impeachment stuff, and I went on with this guy Dan. Remember Dan? Oh man, I do remember Dan. Yeah, and then you said, Dad, look at that. Hey, well, you could, you could sell conservative talk to conservative audience, man. I'm like, hey, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Even if you don't believe half of what you say. <laughs> All right. So here's I'm curious this, because, again, and Duncan, I think, you know, how I feel about cancer culture. I'm not I don't I don't like that oh, yeah. stuff. I, I, I think it's silly. Lost the audio. Joe. Lost you. Lost your audio, Joe. If you can hear, I can't us. hear you. <laughs> the, the audio is gone. <laughs> This is live, live TV, folks, or live stream, folks. I think people appreciate the uh, the genuine nature, unscripted nature. We're not sitting here with teleprompters. We're not sitting here, um, you know, spouting what we're being told to say or trying to program. No, I just or, have uh, someone with a gun pointed in my head off the camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, As I was saying, Sean Grassley and Elizabeth Warren are working on an amendment to rename military bases that are named in honor of Confederate generals. Uh, 15 teams, uh, 15 Native American uh, organizations sent a letter to the NFL asking them uh, about the Redskins changing their name. 450 groups have now joined them. Um, I'm curious what you guys think. The Redskins and Indians both said that they're mulling over new names. Do you feel like it's the PC culture gone too far? Do you think this is a good idea? People who support the Redskins name often talk about a 2016 Washington Post poll that found that 90% of native respondents aren't bothered by the name at all. Can I expand on that real quick? Absolutely. There's a guy named... 
Walter Blackie Wetzel, who is a Blackfeet leader, um, who uh, designed the Redskins logo in 1972, inspired by the Chief Two Guns, White Calf. And uh, according to him, he said, it made us all so proud to have an Indian on a big time team. It's only a small group of radicals who oppose those names. Indians are proud of Indians. And that's a 2002 quote. So I think that all these things that like, you know, there are these periods in time where where society goes through moral panics, you know, like rock music is the devil, you know, like if you listen to rock, you're you're worshiping Satan and playing music backwards with, you know, like people freak out about certain things for limited time periods until they sort of calm down and realize, oh, it was never really that big of a deal in the first place. Like, according to, you know, Walter Wetzel, I think, was that his name? Um, people, people liked this. People were, felt honored to be a part of the, the, uh, the, the, the MLB and to have, uh, you know, a Native American being lauded as a, as a, a champion and a, and a, and oh, a, a hero. I like and this. A contender. <laughs> this way you keep the name, you just change the meaning. That's my, that's my vote. <laughs> Also, I'm a big fan of red skin potatoes. I don't know if it's my favorite potato salad. If they end up changing the names of these teams, what are they going to call them? I mean, you know, changing the Washington Redskins, what are you going to take? Wait, but the Red Hawks? I mean, that's going to offend Hawks, I guess. I mean, yeah, like what? Yeah, but listen, wait a minute. Hold on. So here's look, I will say this, and I'll grant you that, Michael. Look. There, the Washington Redskins logo, Duncan, as you just alluded to, I mean, it's it's dignified. Yeah. This guy's got to go. Well, maybe that that's can the Cleveland Indians. Well, yeah, maybe that can I mean, change. that's yeah. – I mean, look at this thing. That is awful. Okay, I'll, is, give you, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That though. one's got to go. The heckle yeah. and jekyll-looking one's got to go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, that's a little more dignified, that's I think. Than the, than the that's, a, that's an honor, you know. And it, yeah. they felt honored to be represented and to have, you know, a, a, a war war hero from their tribe representing the battle and, you know, the competitive sports. Right. And I think it would be sad to remove their representation from, you know, what it was an all-American pastime. And, you know, they're part of America, it's, too. It's like what Duncan said, though. It, 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 initially, I don't think the intent was to cause any offense to anyone. To, no, of course not. Of course. So, that, that, so that's it, why, it matters. you know, yeah. And then they say that's why I don't, you know, to me, if they change the name. I mean, I'm not a sports guy. I told you this before. It doesn't make a difference to me personally, as long as they don't touch the Yankees, like I said last week. But uh I, I don't believe it's there as an offense. And like Duncan mentioned about how the, the how American uh, Indians and how the Native people see that as an honor and not something offensive. If it were an offense, if it was something that really was meant to be something as a, offensive or a joke or something like that, like you pointed out, the, the the Cleveland Indians, maybe they could change that and make it more dignified. I'd say then, yeah, that's fine. To be but fair, too, they to be fair, they stopped using that logo two years ago, and they they said they're going to officially. That's Chief Wahoo. Yeah. They're going to completely uh, get rid of that now. They should. They should get rid of that one. I, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah, that's Thank like you. a caricature. You know, like, <laughs> Dude, so that's, that's my like point. That's like the equivalent of blackface. Is it's like a mocking caricature of reality. Right. Like, Bingo. That Dude, I am 100% that's my thought, Duncan. Like, I, I look at this and I think, yeah, I mean, right, if that was any culture or any, it, it would be meant to look and be insulting 
if that was a white guy or a black guy or an Indian or an Asian, if right. you're drawing it to, to like this, it's offensive and it's got to go. There's no place in America for that stuff now. Some of these other logos, though, I mean, again, you look at that Redskins helmet and like, I mean, I think the word Redskins is what people really have an issue with. Well, I think I'm it's that word. You know? <laughs> well, sure, but but sure. I mean, I think Redskins is meant to be derogatory. It's like calling, I think, an Asian person yellow. Uh, it, it's a again, and and you're talking in 2020, like 30 years ago, like that was an insult uh, to speak that way. So again, the the times are changing. Um, I guess my question is: is do you guys have a problem with, for instance, there's a school in Georgia. It is Robert E. Lee High School. 82% of the students are African-American. There is a plaque on the wall that praises Robert E. Lee, and the fifth rule on the plaque says that you are never to disparage the name of Robert E. Lee. Can you imagine being a black kid, hmm. and that's where you go to high school, and what that's got to look like, dude? Well, I, I mean, again, is that the worst thing in the world? Feel, like, that doesn't, that doesn't inspire anybody for greatness. Sure, I, I I I can understand that perspective. I don't. I just don't think that we have anything to do with that. Like that's that that town in Georgia that has to do with Absolutely. Their public, public yeah. school or whatever. You can have you know, an opinion though. I'm curious what your thoughts are. If you lived in that town, what would what would be your vote if they put it to a vote in town? Like, I hey, know. we want to name this after somebody more modern and somebody who's more pro-U.S. It's like what I said before about and the who they want if they. <laughs> Sorry, not Obama. No, no. <laughs> I was no. <laughs> I said about the Confederacy stuff before. You have it named Robert E. Lee. You have it that dedicates to a general who lost. I mean, their side lost. So I don't know. Maybe it's different. Different cultural society down south. I mean, me. I'm a northerner here, so what do I know? But I, I don't know personally. If they change the name of that, that that that's fine with me. I mean, I don't have a problem with them changing it from a name of a general who lost to someone maybe who is a winner. I'd say I propose changing it to Nikola Tesla High School. How about that? Absolutely. There you go, right? Why not? Why not? Why not name it in honor of people who didn't do anything horrible and only did good <laughs> stuff? You know, why can't we? Why don't we take those kind of guys and just put them all a notch up on well, anybody if you're who's to find like somebody who didn't do anything horrible? Then <laughs> slim pick. Good luck. Like yeah, Ron no. Gandhi. Um, <laughs> I figure. Listen, if you're not connected to a genocide or a giant racist war, you're probably all right. You know what I mean? We could forgive a lot of stuff. I think we draw the line at like a genocide uh, or or a war for slavery. I was watching. I mean, that's the, um... It's the documentary cutoff. on History Channel about Washington recently. It's called Washington. Three parts, two-hour episodes piece, And uh, it's all about the revolution, how it occurred, what led to it, um, how the French and Indian War led to uh, British, like real British people from Britain, lacking confidence in American uh, soldiers to handle their affairs. So Americans sort of became second-class citizens and, and like as opposed to the British officers um, who... You know, besides the point. Um, so obviously, the, the 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 founding fathers who fought the war for independence were slaveholders, right? Yep. So I was trying to put this all in context and think about a way to describe it. It's like, um, you know how they say when you're on an airplane and the oxygen masks drop, you gotta like secure your own mask before you help mask with others. I was sort of thinking about it in terms of like without. Like, and from the founding fathers' perspective, they had to secure their own freedom 
before it was possible to secure the freedom of slaves because if they didn't have the labor of the slave labor in the first place the they wouldn't have had the resources to even mount the offensive to secure their freedom in, at all so yeah. it's like they had to take the best like they had to take the circumstances that they were given and utilize them in the best way to get their own freedom to establish the constitution and establish a nation where people have equal have rights and have equal protection under the law and then once they were able able to do that sadly it was only possible with you know resources provided by slave labor but once once it was made possible once it happened it laid the groundwork to then move on to free the slaves like why uh jefferson in in 1807 um banned the importation of slaves into the u.s um like they the only way that that was possible was by securing the, the country and securing the constitution in the first place so i, I go back to that um analogy with with the with the uh, you know the mask on airplanes like you have to put your own oxygen mask on first and then you can you're safe to be able to help the people around you it's, it's unfortunate that we couldn't free everybody at the same time but the founding fathers took what they were given what they had and used it to set the foundation to that eventually enabled everybody to be free and i think that's worth something and i think it's something that that is worthy of uh of of being lauded and because it all would have been impossible you know nobody would have rights think about this before the declaration of independence and before the constitution of the united states nobody in the planet had rights at all they were all subjects to to one king or another the yeah. concept the idea that humans had individual rights only became a, a concept during the renaissance and during the the, the formation of the constitution so it, it, they took the, the the concept and did what they could with it at the time and eventually we're able to expand it to the point where everybody within this territory united states has freedom and it's a good thing and it would have been impossible like the, the slaves from from the time period we owe them big time for the work that they did and the horror that they went through and the trauma that they experienced because if if they hadn't been there to to provide the resources they never would have ended up being able to be freed it, later on because the revolution never would have happened and we would still be under the control of kings and nobody would have any rights so it's like when you put things in perspective in a different time period the mindset of people wasn't that you know like oh like everybody should have rights and like that wasn't even really a concept everybody was just used to the victors conquering societies taking the, the people that they capture as slaves and that's just sort of the way it went it was very savage back in the day not native americans but culture in general the way that people interacted with each other was savage and it's only with the introduction of the constitution and the establishment of individual rights that the ripple effect was allowed to take place to to eventually grant and secure freedom for all types of people in this country so it's i would just urge caution um when criticizing you know people who who were trying to do good but also did bad things in the process um because of, like being uh, products of their time like washington jefferson sure guys. look i think anybody don't get right now who is a i'll call them a disney history person where they're getting their history from hamilton 
um, will understand some of what you're saying right now. And, and you know, obviously the contradiction of, of, of a great guy like Washington and, and, and Jefferson and, and the, you know, in, in doing what they did, I mean, right? It, it, it's, it's easy to look back and be like, well, what about women? What about black? I mean, it was a different time. And, and again, it was a process. And it was a process, like you said, first to free themselves from a king uh, who was a, a, as bad a tyrant and superpower in the world at that time as anybody. So, um, Duncan, I liked what you said there so much. So I'm going to throw this back up one more time. (laughs) Nice. I don't think he's wearing that right. (laughs) Nothing looks right about that (laughs) at all. Good Lord. (sighs) Help us, please. I know. Seriously. Mike, what, where's Hillary? I thought you said she was coming back. She's coming back. I'm just joking. It's not going to happen. Stop that crazy talk. It better not happen. I hope it doesn't happen, but I, I got a feeling, you know? I mean, I got a feeling. It's the only logical way to solve this problem for the left, you know? She's going to have the most support out of anybody, you know, that they have for options. But uh, speaking of, like, the negative polls and stuff and how Biden's winning in the polls, I think that it's actually good for Trump that Biden's winning in the polls because the people on the left, the people that are supporting Biden are going to be feeling an artificial sense of comfort that they, that they have this in the bag and they're not going to come out in the the droves that they would be otherwise on election day. Whereas the Trump supporters and the people on the right who are seeing these polls are like, Oh no, 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 no. Everybody's freaking out. Tim pool said the other day that um, he, he, quote he referenced some quote where this guy said i can run faster than than you running angry when i'm scared you know me scared run is running faster than you angry so when people people like because you're running for your life you know if you're if you're just running to get revenge like if the other person's faster like whatever like i'll get them later but if you have to escape because you're scared for your life you are running hard as you can right now and i feel like that's what's happening with the polls is that people on the right are become going to be um, disenfranchised, feeling like their freedom is at stake legitimately, and it's going to cause like, maybe the mainstream media thought it was a good idea to be like, that it would like suppress the vote by making them think it was hopeless. It's going to have the exact opposite effect. They're going to come out stronger and harder and in more numbers than ever could be imagined, just like in the primaries. Nobody even had to vote for Trump in the primaries and he was getting more votes than the, <laughs> the Democrats. Exactly. Well, yeah, I look. I think there's a lot to be concerned about if you're a Democrat. Um, yeah. I mean, if this doesn't do it for you, the 91 percent model definitely can't be doing. You know, I mean, there's there's uh, again, and and I think this is you know, I think Trump's going through probably the worst part of his presidency that he's ever dealt with over the last six months. That's and so I mean, right to to be Damn. within like ten points is. Mm, I, I, I've seen a lot of articles, too, Duncan, where, uh, you know, Democratic strategists are like, just because he's up, we've been there, we know what that's all about. Uh, so it, I think certainly will be interesting to see, and uh, I look forward to being there every step of the way. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank you so much for a great debate. Divided We Stand News is on Facebook. We invite you to come and like our page, join in the conversation during the week. We share lots of articles, always looking for your input. You can also visit us at clovercrestmedia.com backslash Divided We Stand. Look at that great picture Duncan popped up there. Duncan, you should get get a picture of that up on the on the next tab, okay? Get a picture of that up on our on our Facebook page. I think people will dig that. It's a numbered page. That's pretty nice. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) 
Uh, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, feel free to share this on your social media, maybe even tag somebody you think would enjoy it, or someone you think would really hate it. Either way, we'll take them. For Mike Adiosi and my man Duncan McPherson, I'm Joe McGuire. Thanks so much for checking out Divided We Stand.